You are listening to Hit Play, Not Pause, a feisty menopause podcast for active, performance-minded women. I am your host, Celine Yeager. Each week, I bring you advice from athletes, scientists, researchers, and other experts to help you feel and perform your best, no matter what your hormones are doing. This show is a production of Live Feisty Media. Hello, strong, feisty women. Okay, so this week, I'm trying something a little new and answering your listener questions. I'm not sure how often I'll work these into the rotation here, but it's something that I wanted to give a whirl. And after a little bit of a slow start, when I first put out the call for questions, I received quite a few messages. So thank you for that. There were a number that were so broad that I put them on the list to make into their own separate issues on own separate episodes, you know, specifically questions on injuries and musculoskeletal health, things we've covered a few times in the past, but always merit digging back into. And I just wanted to let everyone know that they had been heard, even if you don't hear your answers here on this show. That said, I have chosen a handful that I think are a nice mix of issues that women in menopause are wrangling with. But before I get to it, I want to make clear that I have training and nutrition coaching certifications, and I have obviously spent a lot of time studying the literature in menopause and performance through Dr. Stacey Sims classes and others, but I am not a doctor. I'm not a physician. I am not a medical professional. I also want to be clear that it is impossible to know all the underlying factors behind some of these questions since they're about 60 seconds long. So if you're not sleeping well or having tons of hot flashes and other menopausal symptoms that aren't mentioned here, it can have a cascading effect on pretty much everything in your life. So I'll say up front, if you're having severe symptoms, I would encourage you to work with your healthcare provider and explore menopausal hormone therapy if it's an option for you. And if it's not, explore some of the alternative medical treatments that can help. Because once you get some of those symptoms under control, it has that knockoff effect that takes care of a lot of the other issues you may be experiencing. Just want to say that all off the top. All right, before we get to it, as always, check us out on Instagram and Facebook at Feisty Menopause. Sign up for my free weekly menopause blog at feistymenopause.com. You can also learn more about our Level Up membership on feistymenopause.com as well. And thanks so much for the continued great reviews and five-star ratings. They really help me continue to get great guests for this show. And it also makes me feel good. I appreciate it. Thank you. All right. Quick thanks to our sponsor, That's It. Uh, They do natural fruit bars that have like two ingredients in them. I love them for training. And they also now make this dark chocolate banana truffle that is amazing. They're little truffles that come in a bag. They're organic, they're vegan, and they really hit the spot when you want a hit of energy before heading off to the pool or for a run. So thanks. That's it for supporting our show. Okay, enough of me. Let's hear a bit about our awesome sponsors and get on with this special episode. As a lifelong runner and cyclist, I am stoked to announce that Tifosi Optics has come on as a podcast sponsor. The beauty of Tifosi sports glasses is that they hit all the marks. They are shatterproof polycarbonate, so the lenses not only reduce glare, but also offer scratch resistance and complete eye protection. They stay put. They have little hydrophilic rubber nose pads that actually get more grippy the more you sweat, so they stay secure and don't slide down your face even when you're running in sauna-like conditions. No matter what sport you do, they have a shade for your activity, including tennis, fishing, pickleball, running, cycling, and just hanging out at the beach. And they are super reasonably well-priced, which is very hard to find in a sea of overpriced eyewear. And 
they just look freaking rad. So head on over to tifosioptics.com and use the code FM, capital F, and capital M, like Feisty Menopause, number 20, FM20, to get 20% off your order today. I'll put a clickable link in the show notes to make it a snap. Musculoskeletal health is everything during menopause. Everyone knows how much I love Joint Health Plus from Prevenex, which has helped me get back to distance running after arthritic toes stopped me in my tracks. Now they have a product that has become my go-to for muscle strength and recovery, Muscle Health Plus. Muscle Health Plus contains all the key ingredients we talk about on this show, like creatine monohydrate, essential amino acids, and branched-chain amino acids, plus even more cutting-edge ingredients like HMB and estrogen that are scientifically shown to increase muscle growth, recovery, and strength. I use it every day during my early morning lifting sessions, and there's no question that it helps my power during those workouts and my recovery after. Plus, I love having everything I need from the best high-quality ingredients in one reasonably priced shake. I've also heard from fellow users who have had bloating or GI upset in the past from creatine that haven't had any of that with Muscle Health Plus. I make my shake with almond milk and espresso, but it's also good with ice cold water, which makes the flavor really pop. As always, you can get 15% off your first order with the code HIPPLAY, all caps, one word, at Prevenex.com. That's HIPPLAY, all caps, one word, at Prevenex.com. Do your muscles a favor and head on over and get some today. Okay, first up, we have this question from Laurie about playing field sports. Hi, I'm asking a question for those of us that play field sports. Um, We often experience a lot of injuries because of both the contact and the explosive movements. Um, How can we, as older players, prehab and prevent injury and stay on the field and preserve what we have um, while, you know, making sure that we get extra um, work on kinesthetic awareness, um, twisting and jumping and lateral movements. Um, anyway, so just thinking about like what, what we can do for that and who might be some experts to ask. Also really interested if you know of anyone or can interview anyone or ask about organization for 50 plus women. How can we get more women out on the field playing sports? Um, I play team sports and we need more than, we need a lot of women to play with and against and I would love to see that grow. So thanks for your time. Love your show. Keep powering on. Okay. So I'll say up front that I don't have a great answer for finding more women to fill these teams, but I would love to hear from anyone who does. You can email us at hitplaynotpause at livefeisty.com if you have ideas. I imagine in generations to come, we will see bigger fields of midlife women playing all sorts of sports, but Our demographic, our generation here, we are definitely at the pointy end of the spear in that regard. And there are not as many women, though I know there are women out there. So if anyone has ideas for this, I am all ears to hear them. Regarding the rest of it, as far as recommendations for avoiding injury for these types of activities and good experts in this area, I had Juliette Starrett on the show a few weeks back talking about her new book, Built to Move, The 10 Essential Habits to Help You Move Freely and Live Fully. And, you know, it's a really great place to start because building a foundation of really good mobility is essential, even for and maybe especially for high performance athletes and those playing field sports. 
We often spend a lot of time training for our sport, but then overlook the mobilization practices that increase our range of motion and help us prevent injury. And the book, which she wrote with her husband, Dr. Kelly Starrett of The Ready State, also addresses breathing practices, nutrition, avoiding too much sedentary time, and much more. And I know that now that I'm back training for a 70.3 Ironman, all that foundational work is extremely important to help keep aches, pains, and niggles at bay. And I feel really good for doing the work. For me specifically, that looks like a lot of hip mobility exercises. That tends to be the place that I get gunked up and it has knockoff effects on my knees and everything else. So it just helps me access the full strength of my muscles and helps me avoid that hip and knee pain. The exercises are honestly really extremely simple, but if I'm honest, unless I'm following a plan, I will let them slide every time. So finding a mobility plan is essential. Built to Move is a great resource. I'd also encourage you to check out Erin Carson, who has been on the show as well. She is a tremendous resource for mobility. She has online and on-demand mobility workouts at ecfit.com that are outstanding. She is my mobility coach, and it is amazing how well these simple, simple, simple moves keep me feeling strong and healthy and injury-free. Knock on wood. (laughs) Knock on wood that I say that. Also, it's important to train for our activities with specificity. So plyometric work like side-to-side hopping and jumping and working that type of activity, if you aren't already, into your strength training, and I hope you're doing strength training, two to four times a week is key. With midlife and menopause, It is also really important to take time to warm up properly and really get those tissues ready for action and to really, really respect your rest and recovery days in training. Finally, as Dr. Vonda Wright, who is an internationally renowned orthopedic surgeon who has been on this show and has said on this show, you cannot heal with enough without enough. You cannot heal without enough protein. You're putting your muscles and connective tissues through a lot, especially with the kind of activity you're talking about. And muscle protein synthesis, muscle building, muscle repair, it slows down with menopause and age. So really aim for that 30 grams of protein per meal, that 15 to 20 grams per snack that you've heard so many times on the show to keep your tissues healthy. And I hope that helps. Thanks for the question. Okay, next question is from Corey, who has a question about the pelvic floor and some impacts of a former injury. Hi, I'm Corey. I've been listening to the show for a couple of years, and I am a member of your Hip Play Not Pause group on Facebook. I am a 51-year-old strength athlete, and I've been experiencing a lot of hip and knee pain lately, and I think it's related to pelvic floor health. I would love to hear a little bit about pelvic floor health from episiotomy injury, specifically abscess, um, a long time ago. (laughs) My son is 24 in September and um, I am still having pain and I just wonder how late is too late to rehab all of those tissues and how much it can impact uh, the problems that I'm having and I have seen an osteopath for my knees and he said the problem was due to weak hips 
Um, and no matter what amount of hip mobility training I do, I really can't seem to get them stronger. So I would love to hear a little bit about how those, these things relate. This is a great, great question. The pelvic floor is so important and underappreciated. Honestly, every woman should automatically get pelvic floor therapy after having a baby. I personally think it's insane that we don't. I've had three shows on the pelvic floor health issues and uh, with pelvic floor specialists, including Chloe Murdoch, Amy Hill Fife, and Kim Vopney. I highly recommend checking those out as a refresher. In short, Yes, pelvic floor dysfunction can lead to back pain, hip pain, knee pain as we go down that chain of muscles and joints. It is also never too late. It is not too late for you to address these issues. You could have an overly tight pelvic floor, which is impeding your hips. And if you have a scar, it can cause problems even years down the line. This is something that Chloe Murdoch, and this is going into the Wayback Machine. She was one of my earliest guests. Uh, talk to about in our interview on this topic. And, you know, she said something that really resonated with a lot of people at the time. She said, even if scars don't bother you in the near term, like following the delivery of your child, they can become problematic during menopause. Yes, all these years later, because the elasticity of the tissues decreases during menopause, and that elasticity of the scar decreases as well. So what she sees with women who had scar tissue from either um, an episiotomy or even a uh, C-section, you know, on their abdominals that went untreated, it becomes symptomatic in menopause. It restricts the movement of the fascia over the muscles, and it makes it difficult for that muscle to have its mobility and to contract and just to function properly. Um, you know, she talked about how episiotomy scars can inhibit healthy pelvic floor function. And she says, as a pelvic floor specialist, she shows women how to massage their episiotomy scars to relieve that tension and discomfort. Uh, she says it's very easy to treat with scar massage. She shows patients how to do it themselves all the time, and they do very well. So in short, it is not too late. And I highly, highly recommend seeing a pelvic floor therapist. I'll put a link to that show and the other shows in the show notes so you can hear all these women talking about all the different ways that pelvic floor affects your activity and your, your comfort. It's really fascinating. It's something that we should all really know much more about. Uh, you know, one other note there is that it's underappreciated that the pelvic floor is also part of our core. You know, when we think of our core, we think of our abs, we think of our back, maybe our sides, but it's all part of a canister that the pelvic floor holds up at the bottom. You know, the pelvic floor is at the bottom of that canister. So if anything in your core is weak as well, and Chloe talks about this in the episode too, if anything in your pelvic, in your, excuse me, in your core is weak, it puts more pressure and requires more work from your pelvic floor than those muscles are really equipped to do too. So it's a whole picture and really having somebody who understands the pelvic floor and how it attaches and how it's functioning and how it's working with your movement and your breathing and with any scars and past injuries, I think is really, really important and will help you unravel the situation you're in and get back to healthy, pain-free movement. I wish you all the best. Thank you for your question. Okay, up next, we have Rebecca, 
who would like some resources for her partner so he can understand what she's going through. Hi, Celine. This is Rebecca. Firstly, I want to say that I really appreciate all of the content that you share on your podcast, the uplifting stories from your guests and all of the research related content is so helpful to understanding uh, what is going to happen to me. (laughs) I'm currently 47 and I think the perimenopause ride is uh, really starting to begin for me. And I've had some some crazy emotional flare-ups in the past couple weeks for really small things. And I feel like the hormones and the changes are are really just starting to, to get there. Um, and my main question is, what would you suggest as a resource for reading material, whether it's a book or an article, for my spouse? Uh, my husband is seven years younger than me, so he will be turning 40 this year. And um, I really need to be able to share with him what is happening to me and how he can better understand where I am coming from um, because we're having some really big fights and anything that you could share would be really helpful. Thank you so much. And again, thank you so much for all the great work because it's been so helpful and insightful. Thank you. Oh boy. Yeah. Yeah, Rebecca, the emotional part can be the hardest. And I really feel you there. I had a lot of anxiety and I have friends who suddenly, you know, they're very happy feel people and they suddenly feel a lot of rage. They feel anger. They feel sadness. They feel emotions that they don't, they don't and have never associated with themselves. And I'm very sorry that you're going through this. I would definitely encourage you to work with your doctor so you don't have to to suffer. It sounds like you're sort of in the beginning of the journey here. You know, just go to your doctor now. <laughs> I'm just going to say that up front. Go see your doctor, make an appointment and talk about it. You know, be armed with all the information. And if you haven't, I will give you some resources if you don't have them, uh, resources for you and your husband. But, you know, be armed with them. Talk to your doctor. And, you know, you don't have to live with that. You don't have to live with how you're feeling. There's many ways to deal with it. Hormone therapy is an option. There are other options. You know, SSRIs and SSNIs often work very well in this time. Women have success with those. It is worth a conversation with your doctor for yourself. Now, you are being a wonderful, wonderful partner and you want to help your husband understand this too. And that is awesome. So a couple of resources there. You know, the New York Times did actually one of the best pieces I've seen describing the whole menopause history and where we are and what women have been told and not told about it. And it was uh, it was called Women Have Been Misled About Menopause. And it was actually in the New York Times magazine. So I'll link that in the show notes. Also, you know, Next Level, the book I did with Dr. Stacey Sims gives a pretty detailed picture of the nuts and bolts of what's going on in the hormone fluctuations and decline. If you want a very plain spoken first person account of how really tough this transition can be for women, I would recommend Amanda Thebes' Menopocalypse. You know, it, it's she talks about the emotional journey and she had a lot, a lot, a lot of trouble. And, you know, it's it's funny and it's heartfelt. So that's a good option. And, you know, I hope that helps. There's so many books out there. I mean, we could go on and on, but I I don't know that he needs to read the, the Menopause Manifesto. You know, I mean, that's a, that's a great book by Dr. Jen Gunter. Um, it's very informative, but just to give him 
insights into what you're going on, I think like those resources will certainly do the trick. And I hope it helps you too. You know, it's 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 really important that you take this time in this transition to really focus. You know, we as women really like to take care of others. You know, we're really good at that often. And taking care of yourself at this point should really be a priority. And I I hope you find the treatment and the relief that you need and welcome and stay in our community because having community also really makes a difference. If you're not part of the hit play, not pause Facebook group, you know, come on in, you can always vent, you can ask other people how they dealt with their emotional um, upheaval during this time. And we can all just keep helping each other through this. And I wish you all the best. And I thank you for your question. Okay, the next question is from Lori, and she uh, is concerned about her declining running times. Hi, Celine. I'm 52, and I'm either in menopause or perimenopause. I went for over a year without a period, about uh, 14 months, but then had two more periods. That was about six months ago, so I'm whatever that means. I'm a runner, and my times have gotten much slower over the last especially three years and I feel like I'm losing not only strength and power um, but proprioception and like just overall coordination I like I cannot make my legs go as fast as they used to go I I would not be able to run a single mile um, at the same pace that I raced my marathon PR um, 10 years ago. So I was just wondering any insight about that, the um, brain body connection and anything to do. Okay. Before we get to the running question, which I will address in detail here, you really want to make an appointment with your doctor regarding that postmenopausal bleeding. Experts recommend that any bleeding after menopause be checked out. And I'm not trying to be alarmist because in the majority of time, especially early postmenopause, the cause of that bleeding is not something serious. However, in a few, very few cases, it can indicate something more serious like cervical or uterine cancer. Again, not trying to be alarmist. It is the minority, the vast minority of cases But even like if it's a sliver of a chance, it's just important to get it checked out because those cancers can be treated very well when they are caught early. So I do please make an appointment with your doctor, get it checked out, make sure that it's nothing to be concerned about. Or if it is a little something, you can get the treatment that you need. So I just want to say that at the top and everybody should hear that because I don't think that's a... I don't think that's something that we necessarily hear often or a message that we get. And if I wasn't doing this show, I I don't think I would know it myself. So little public service announcement, everyone. Okay. So Lori, back to your question on running. There are a lot of changes that happen with menopause, but I feel like the first one to address here with your situation is muscular. Research shows that the menopause transition, which is exactly the time frame you are describing, is a very vulnerable period for muscle mass loss. 
And there was even a study, it was a 2021 study that just kind of blew me away, where researchers found that compared to women in early perimenopause, those in late perimenopause had 10% less muscle mass in their arms and legs, their appendicular muscle mass. Uh, late perimenopausal and postmenopausal women were also overwhelmingly more likely to have sarcopenia, which is that involuntary muscle loss. Uh, than premenopausal or even early perimenopausal women. And importantly, regarding what you're talking about, about the fast leg turnover and like just not having that speed, our type two fast twitch fibers, which are the ones you use to generate quick force and power, are the ones we lose most quickly. Uh, this loss can definitely impact your strength and your speed. That's why we talk ad nauseum about lifting heavy and sprint training here because we want to hang on to and build back some of that explosive strength. And also strength training has also been shown to improve proprioception, which is also something you were talking about. I will say, you know, on a personal note, I witnessed this myself as a mountain bike racer. I felt like I had quite suddenly hit this point where I couldn't put I just couldn't power over obstacles. You know, when you're a mountain biker, you have to like, especially here in Pennsylvania where I live, there's a lot of rocks, there's a lot of logs, there's a lot of like punchy things that you have to really power over often in a big gear and put a lot of muscle in to get yourself over these obstacles or through these strings of obstacles. And, you know, I'd always been quite good at that. And all of a sudden, like, my, like literally, like you're saying, I felt like my legs just weren't there. They just weren't responding the same way. And I would just topple over or put a foot down. And I went to my local gym, I got training in heavy lifting, because even though I was a trainer for 20 years, I didn't have experience very much at all with heavy barbell deadlifting or heavy barbell anything. It just wasn't in the ecosystem when I was coming up as a trainer the way it is now. Um, and I wanted to really get it down properly and progress properly. And honestly, it was not long before I felt that power return into my pedals. You know, I also do plyometric work and I do hill sprints. You know, plyometric work is very good for that explosive power too. You're really training that that jump, that sprint. And I do hill sprints, you know, which aren't very fast, but they're I, I go up the hill as fast as I can. And the hill work also builds muscle. And it's a really good way to get some of that speed and power in that's a little more safe. You know, if you, when you try to sprint on flat ground, the injury risk is kind of higher. But if you go on hills, you get a lot more work and it just it's just a better, safer bang for your buck kind of training. And anyway, it has all worked amazingly well. I just did my first triathlon in 15 years, now at age 54. And I honestly probably felt just better on the run. I don't know if I was much faster, but I know I wasn't much slower than I was all those years ago. And I am 100% sure that it is because of all this strength and power work that I've been doing. It's really, really paid off. So all that said, I am a realist. And I do realize that over time, I will lose some strength. That's part of aging. But it has been eye-opening how much power and strength is possible to maintain and build back with designated training. So I would start there. Definitely work with a trainer who can help with form and programming and progress in a way that is safe and productive. Also, if you don't use creatine, it's worth investigating. Research shows that creatine supplementation is effective for increasing muscle mass, strength, and power 
and that women especially benefit even more than men. It takes just three to five grams a day. It's very affordable and easy to use. It's a tasteless powder that you can put into coffee, smoothies, oatmeal, whatever. I have found it very effective. Some women say it it helps with their brain fog. It's just like one of those supplements that the more research we find, and it's been researched for a very long time, the more beneficial it is appearing, especially for master's athletes, older athletes who are trying to make and maintain their muscle. The only word of caution that I um, that I would give about creatine is that if you have asthma, creatine supplementation can sometimes increase that allergic airway response. Um, this is a bit of a sticky wicket in the research world because Other research shows that exercise, endurance exercise, particularly tamps down that response. But we've had a couple of women talk about it in the Hit Play Not Pause Facebook group, you know, women who have had airway issues and started using creatine. So that might be a contraindication, but otherwise, I definitely definitely recommend checking it out. And of course, finally, get enough protein to support your training. As mentioned earlier, aiming for about 30 grams for your meals and 15 to 20 grams for your snacks really helps with that muscle power. We just had on uh, Jen McNutt. I don't know if you heard that one, but she was the figure skater who is back to doing like double jumps. And she too, when she hit the same transition that we're talking about here, just felt like she did not have that strength. You know, she just couldn't recover. Her strength was bad. Her power was bad. And The one thing she started doing that got her back in the air, literally, was really nailing those protein amounts. So I highly recommend that as well. And I hope that this helps and that you find your leg speed. All right. So finally, I got a few similar questions via email that I thought I could also address here. I've heard from a number of you who feel like your struggles with race day nerves, performance anxiety at the gym, anxiety around doing any sort of group activity has worsened for you. You're embarrassed that you're not as fast as you once were. You're anxious about coming in last. You feel like you don't like how your body looks in your workout clothes, and it's making it harder for you to participate in the sports you love, especially when they involve wearing clothes you don't find flattering any longer. There's a lot to unpack here. And I'd be lying if I said that I, or really anyone, has all the answers to these very complex emotional issues, but you are not alone in any of these feelings. As I mentioned earlier, I recently had my first triathlon after a very long hiatus, and my nerves were so disproportionately off the charts for it, I can't even. In the days leaning up to it, I was honestly just trying to push down the waves of misery that I was feeling. And this is, to be clear, this has always been an issue for me. I almost threw up before every field hockey game in high school. I've come to appreciate that it's just how my moods are impacted as my body is ramping up to perform. But there was a lot of stuff going on that was additional on top of all that. The body image issues, feeling less than because my body didn't look like it once did. The performance anxiety woven into that. Struggling to remember why I'm even doing all this, not wanting to go. I could go on and on and on. But when I'm in that awful headspace, I talk to myself the way I would my daughter. Just laying out the reality to counteract the catastrophic thinking. And I remind myself that the doomsday race scenarios that I play out in my head 
are invariably far worse than what actually ends up happening, which is usually a pretty good day. I remind myself that honestly, everyone else is so wrapped up in their own nerves and their own headspace, they are not really thinking about me. And let me tell you, when I got to the race venue and looked around at all the like pie-eyed people who were sort of like losing their minds in the transition area, it was really clear that nobody was thinking about me, like at all. They're thinking about themselves. And then I think and tell myself that I have way, way, way too many years left on this planet, God willing, to ha- you know, so I can have adventures and do hard things that to let my body angst steal my joy. I mean, seriously, I have always believed in living through my body, not for my body, and I'm not going to stop now. And it doesn't matter one bit where I finish, not one bit. I am out there celebrating the hard work that I've put in and what my body can do. And I will say that I also did treat myself to some cool new triathlon clothes that have really pretty patterns and match my bike. And it was cool. It it just made me feel good. And you know what? I had a really great day out there. I was surrounded by women and men of all ages and body types and fitness levels and equipment levels. And everyone was just trying to challenge themselves and accomplish this swim bike run thing. I felt strong from all the training that I put in under my really wonderful coach, Marnie Sambal. And when I was done, I felt really proud that I hadn't let all the demons in my head get the better of me. They didn't stop me from putting myself out there. They didn't steal my joy. And every time I overcome that noise in my head, I'm stronger for the next thing I do. And in some ways, that's why I keep doing the things, because it keeps me strong to keep looking outward in life and taking on challenges. And that's what it enables you to do when you like grab the bat and beat the crap out of those voices in your head, or at least, you know, talk them, talk them down, whatever you whatever imagery you want. But, you know, you can slay those mental monsters. You really, really can. And I don't know that anyone is ever sorry for having done that and gone ahead with what they wanted to do. Finally, community really helps if you can find it. One of the things I heard again and again at our menopause performance retreat and at the Women's Gone Graveling Festival a couple of weeks ago is how happy everyone felt to be surrounded by like-minded women. They felt freer to try new things without worrying about what others might think. They felt relaxed and comfortable and more confident, knowing that the women around them were also going through similar things. It can really provide a lot of joy during this time of life. And I highly encourage people to seek that community and surround themselves with others that are going through the same things and who have the same interests as they do. I know women have found others in, um, you know, they've found their community in our Hit Play Not Pause Facebook group and in the Women's Gravel Cyclist Facebook community. And I'm sure there are other groups for pretty much any sport or activity. I encourage you to to put yourself out there and to find those other uh, birds of a feather because it can really, really make a difference. For decades, running shoes have been researched, tested, and designed for men. 
brands have relied on the shrink it and pink it approach to sell male shoes to female customers. That's why we are stoked to be working with Hedda's. Hedda's designs athletic footwear for women that elevates performance, safety, and style. Hedda's has unlocked the science behind women's biomechanics through dedicated research and creates better shoes for women's performance. Some of Hedda's special features include a lower ankle collar to reduce rubbing on women's ankle bones, a breathable mesh toe box to allow for ventilation and accommodate female toe shape, a more narrow and reductive heel cup to reduce heel slippage and take pressure off the Achilles, a rounded instep that creates a snug fit through the middle to match the curvature of a woman's foot and supercritical foam and a PBEX plate in the midsole to keep our legs going when the going gets tough. Hedda's has three shoe models designed for different sessions, the Alma Cruise for your long runs, the Alma Tempo for training days, and the Alma Speed for pushing the pace. I've been running in the Alma Tempos and they are a pleasure to train in. You can get your own pair of Hedda's at Hedda's.com and use the code FEISTY20, that's all caps, FEISTY20, for 20% off. Check it out today. We'll put a clickable link in the show notes to make it a snap. Good sleep. The one thing that sets you up for a great workout and a good day is quality sleep. We talk about it all the time here on the show, which is why I'm stoked to have Lagoon Sleep as a new sponsor. Because one of the most overlooked tools in a great sleep toolbox is the thing you literally rest your head on eight hours a night, your pillow. A quality pillow is everything. Otherwise, you end up tossing, turning, punching, and folding your pillow, waking up with neck pain, and all the stuff that happens when your pillow doesn't meet your personal comfort needs. Say hello to the most comfortable sleep you've ever had with Lagoon. They start you out with a two-minute personalized pillow quiz and then pair you with your perfect pillow. I got the Otter, a cooling adjustable pillow that is perfect for side sleepers who run warm at night like I do. It is a dream. It's fully adjustable, so I was able to get the perfect loft and support, and the cooling feature is everything. As someone who turned into a furnace every evening before menopause, I appreciate that the Otter is stuffed, with shredded gel-infused memory foam, which instead of trapping heat from my neck and head, draws it away and dissipates it. It's truly delightful. I'm a good sleeper, and Otter's taken it to the next level with both support and cooling. Put my head down, good night, Irene. My aura ring confirms what little tossing and turning I was doing is gone. The beauty of the pillow quiz is you can get the perfect pillow that you need to and make your sleep the best sleep you can have. Go to lagoonsleep.com slash hit play and take the two minute quiz to find your perfect match and then use the code hit play, all caps, one word for 15% off your first purchase. Sweet dreams. Well, that's our show. Come on back next week where I had the honor to sit down with Tanya Oxendine, a spokesperson for the Wounded Warrior Project. Tanya shares her story about overcoming the abuse she experienced as both a child and in the military service and how she's using her voice to help other female veterans. We talk all about that and about how past trauma can lead to a much more challenging menopause transition and where women can find the help and the support they need. So come on back for that one. And until then, as always, stay feisty. You've been listening to Hit Play, Not Pause, a feisty menopause podcast for active performance-minded women. I'm your host, Celine Yeager, 
The show is edited and produced by the strong, talented, and amazing women at Live Feisty Media. Follow us on social media at Feisty Menopause. And please help us spread the word. Screenshot and share this episode on your social media channels with the tag at Feisty Menopause. Share the show with your friends. And please subscribe, like, review, and rate this show wherever you get your podcasts. Word of mouth and good reviews make it easier for other listeners to find. Thanks for listening. And as always, stay feisty. Stay feisty.